Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Long Island Voice of Progress, where we discuss local Long Island news and topics. This is episode eight, and I'm your host, Ben. I want to apologize for there being no episode last week, as this podcast is primarily for local Long Island news, with some exceptions. There are times when we don't have enough new information to release. I try my best as I can to compile information on a weekly basis so that there is an episode to release for you, but that unfortunately won't always be the case. That being said, welcome back and thank you for tuning in once again. So just a quick update for those that are interested. The Farmingdale School District had their most recent Board of Ed meeting at the time of this recording held on December 7th. During the public speaking session, a man by the name of Parsa Karimi approached the mic and spoke. At first, just listening, you would think that this was someone who was for LGBT rights and looking for accountability from the school district on bullying of LGBT students. Unfortunately, that was not the point of the speech. The longer that you listened to this man's speech, the more that you came to realize that this man is railing against the school's display of LGBT-affirming symbols, flags, stickers, clubs, etc. Mr. Karimi is attempting to argue for the removal of all things LGBT from the schools. Looking into Mr. Karimi's online social media posts, he shares several anti-LGBT rhetoric-type posts. He attacks the school district's GSA, the Gender Sexuality Alliance Club, claiming, quote, no other club is pushed on our kids like a sexuality club, unquote. And also saying, quote, and what the hell is going on in Farmingdale where this one space is safe? Is the rest of the school unsafe, unquote. This is a man that clearly either doesn't understand the fundamental meaning of when LGBT gatherings or other locations are labeled as safe spaces, or is just willfully ignorant. As it was eloquently explained to him by the district superintendent, Mr. Paul Defendini, take a listen. I'll try to be as succinct as I can. I'll I'll go in reverse order since I just wrote the last question down first. Why are there safe space stickers? Is the rest of the school unsafe? Absolutely not. Um, We require the same level of um, collaboration. We require the same level of of working with our students, uh, no matter who you are. But there are absolutely different people who bring different skill sets to the table, different people that might have uh, a greater level of comfort with regard to having certain conversations. That's the very nature of what makes us, I think, in our school system great. Uh, Public school systems aren't comprised of all the same robotic kinds of people. They're different kinds of people that bring different things to the table. And different kids have different champions, right? One kid might have a champion who winds up being the football coach who has a particular type of disposition, whereas another might find themselves more comfortable reaching out to a guidance counselor or a dean or a teacher. The safe space stickers designate places where students that are in a place where they want to have a conversation about something that's gender identity related, those are places where those particular teachers, those particular staff members are comfortable having those kinds of conversations with those students who are in those kinds of places. So That's the purpose behind why the stickers live in certain places. Mr. Karimi's social media postings are, unfortunately, typical fare for those with anti-LGBT beliefs. Where he has likened GSA clubs to cults, 
he has posted that the use of safe space stickers are akin to grooming children, along with many other links to anti-LGBT materials. Back in April, he posted an image of something that he claimed was taught in the Farmingdale schools that talked about coming out and helping to define it for children, helping them to understand the intricacies and nuances of the term, what it entails for those that are struggling, and how to handle information given to them in confidence regarding this topic. I actually applaud such teachings in a school, as it opens the eyes to students about what others may be experiencing and gives them insight and cultivates a sense of empathy for others. It is clear what this man truly believes, and it is sad. I find it so unbelievably sad that these intolerant people exist, and worse, that they look to groom future generations into their views of intolerance. This man, along with so many others, unfortunately do not have the capacity for empathy, as their worldview is singularly self-centered. They live in an echo chamber of stifling beliefs, where there's only one right way to behave and exist, where acceptance and normalization of differences is not tolerated and should be suppressed. Approximately one week later, on December 13th, the Konekwat Central School District Board of Ed had their meeting. As expected, there has been absolutely no change, not any mention at all regarding the LGBT flag ban situation. And for those that are not aware, the Konekwat Central School District is starting to search to replace the current district superintendent, Linda Adams, who will be retiring very soon. Which leads me into mentioning a resident that spoke at the podium that showed concern of a statement that they claim to have heard indicating that the board is seeking an individual that is willing to ignore and or otherwise go against New York State policies. This information at the time of this recording has not been verified. I'm only reporting what was stated at the board meeting by a concerned resident. But I have to say... If this statement is true, that is very telling in the manner in which this current Board of Ed is looking to move this school district. I'll be sure to update you with any additional information as it becomes available in future episodes. Now, I know that watching or attending Board of Ed meetings can be exceedingly tedious, and I have to say I feel that it's a shame that they are held so late and during the weekdays as it makes it really difficult for community members to participate, and doubly shameful that the general community doesn't take more interest in these public meetings. But I will admit, I share in that shame. It wasn't until recently that I myself became involved. But I'm digressing. For those that are not aware, the Konequat Board of Ed took it upon themselves, without consulting the community, to write an anti-vaccination letter quote, on behalf of the community, unquote, to the governor's office. Now, I do understand that these people were elected to represent the community, and based on said election, it is presumed that they speak for the majority. If recent months have shown me anything, it's that they were not elected by the majority in any way, shape, or form. They were elected 
because the majority were too lazy or uninterested to partake in the election process. The conservative and intolerant right, unfortunately, were more galvanized to participate and came out in approximately two to one ratios to vote. Strange thing is, when you look at the census statistics, the total voting population that came out was somewhere around 12%. So yeah, not a majority by any definition. Just a majority of the small numbers that cared to participate, which is unfortunately how our democracy works. If you don't participate, you potentially can be ceding your rights over to a minority group. See, here's the thing. And just as a forewarning, I'm jumping into political talk now. As much as you hear the right talk about the, quote, liberal media, the truth is that our media favors red America. What most don't realize is that most of the media is owned by right-wing billionaires. This is why our voices are so important now more than ever, because media is being controlled by those with the most money. And more often than not, those individuals are out to protect their own assets and care nothing for their fellow man. Our current system of government wasn't designed to accommodate an egalitarian, multiracial, pluralistic democracy. Now, I know many of you are probably thinking, what did he just say? It was a mouthful for sure. But when we talk about democracy... So many of us use that word, democracy, thinking that it represents what Democrats are fighting for. And it does, but in a very general sense. I say that because both sides can be heard making the same claim, that they're fighting for democracy. The thing that we need to ask is, democracy for who? And how much democracy and who gets to use it? That is where you see the stark difference between the two sides. The right is looking to utilize democracy to inflict their will on everyone around them. Let's be honest here. The vast majority of their base is not very diverse. You know what I mean. This is one of the reasons why it is so much easier for Republicans to get across a message to galvanize their people, because they don't need to tailor their message to make it understood by their membership. Democrats, on the other hand, are extremely diverse. We hold the majority of the different races, different languages, different cultures. It is increasingly more difficult for us to get a unifying message when it has to be expressed in multiple languages and tailored for multiple types of cultures. And to be clear, I don't say tailored to mean in a manipulative way. I say tailored to mean in a way that makes the message clear to those hearing it based off of their own life experiences due to their culture. This is one of the reasons why Democrats have such a difficult time in getting a unified message across, because we are so diverse. I'm a firm believer that our diversity is one of the strongest things that not only Democrats have in their favor, but humanity as a whole. But it's also one of our weaknesses in the sense of communication. So, again, to be accurate, the term egalitarian, multiracial, pluralistic democracy is the most realistically 
what Democrats are fighting for. A true democracy where everyone's voice is equal, where everyone is seen as having equal rights, with no second, third, or other class citizen. It represents a true democracy where the will of the majority is heard. Our system of government, as it is currently designed, unfortunately, consistently awards disproportionate power to those that are not on board with that idea of true equality. Our current system has baked into it a flaw that gives the potential for a minority to impose their will onto the majority. Democrats need to work hard in changing that. We need to properly democratize the structure of our current system of government. And to drive this point home in how the Republican Party is in no way for the rights of all, but rather for the rights of a few and the rest be damned, you may or may not be aware that recently the Respect for Marriage Act was passed by both House and Senate and signed by the president into law. Now, when it was on the House floor to be voted on, there was a Republican congresswoman by the name of Vicki Hartzler of Missouri who took to the floor in opposition of the bill. Listen here. I hope and pray that my colleagues will find the courage to join me in opposing this misguided and this dangerous bill. You know, for a party that touts itself and tried desperately to brand itself as the party of family values, they continually manage to present themselves as a party that is morally bankrupt and devoid of humanity, in addition to lacking family values. Compare her reaction to that of Pete Buttigieg, who was recently interviewed and asked to respond to this congresswoman's statement on the House floor. He responds by saying how he wished that she could see his family in their everyday lives, in deciding who would empty the dishwasher after a tiring day of work, or remembering to buy eggs or puffs for the kids to enjoy when they're in their stroller or driving in their minivan. When you look at the two sides, it is clear which side actually displays family values and which party is grounded in bigotry and insecurity. Shortly after Congresswoman Hartzler's outburst and crocodile tears on the House floor, her nephew, Andrew Hartzler, who happens to be gay, went on the record to denounce his aunt in a TikTok video that has gone viral. Listen. So despite coming out to my aunt this past February, I guess she's still just as much as a homophobe. Obergefell is not in danger, but people and institutions of faith are. Aunt Vicky, that's not right. Institutions of faith like religious universities are not being silenced. They're being empowered by the U.S. government to discriminate against tens of thousands of LGBTQ students because of religious exemptions, but they still receive federal funding. It's more like you want the power to force your religious beliefs onto everyone else. And because you don't have that power, you feel like you're being silenced, but you're not. 
you're just going to have to learn to coexist with all of us. Andrew spoke with BuzzFeed in an interview and was quoted in saying, quote, I do feel compelled to speak out when I see this just to counter these messages. I don't want my last name to be associated with hate. I want it to be associated with love, end quote. Well, Andrew, much respect and admiration to you for speaking out against this homophobia and bigotry, even when it is against your own family members. We need more voices like yours in the world to call out bigotry wherever it is found. So thank you. And Vicki Hartzler is not alone. Other right-wing mouthpieces like Laura Ingram came out on her show on Faux News, excuse me, Fox News, after the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act by President Joe Biden. She had this to say. Now, as we just mentioned with Governor DeSantis, Joe Biden held kind of an over-the-top uh, you know, celebration, this extravaganza that was named the Respect for Marriage Act, a bill that moves to restrict freedom of religion and freedom of speech even, meaning whether you're Catholic or evangelical or maybe Muslim, any serious person of faith, you will not necessarily have the rights tomorrow that you had yesterday. But like Pelosi made famous, Biden tried to frame this as protecting the children. I tell you, the mental gymnastics that Republicans go through to twist reality to fit their fictional dystopian storyline truly is astounding. How in the world is a bill ensuring that a group of people get to keep their rights that everyone else has equate to the loss of those already with those rights? It doesn't. And that's the reality. But these bigots need to frame this as an attack on their religious freedoms. They need to lie to their base, to paint the LGBT community as an enemy, in order to rile them up and keep them ignorant of the truth, but simultaneously engaged and invested into the Republican fictional storyline. Because the reality that same-sex marriages has zero impact on the sanctity of heterosexual marriages is just too rational. So instead, they need to fantasize that allowing other people to have equal rights is actually an attack on the people who lose nothing. Yep, that makes total sense. People like Vicki Hartzler and Laura Ingram rely on trying to make some big, frightening difference between straight and gay people, when in reality, there isn't. So they continue to demonize and vilify LGBT individuals because once it becomes evident that we are all the same, then they lose their reasoning to fearmonger against the LGBT community. And what actually becomes clear is that they are actually just bigots. This is why Pete Buttigieg's interview and his statement, along with that of his husband, Chastin, are so important. Because by normalizing their lives, people begin to recognize those similarities, from dishes to minivans. Then their fears about people who are different from them begin to go away. 
This is the basis of how empathy, understanding, and acceptance works. Now, remember, this Republican backlash is in response to the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act, a law that simply ensures that marriages done legally cannot be taken away and must be respected by all states. This law doesn't even require that all states allow for same-sex marriages, only that they respect marriages done legally in other states. The Republican Party exists now to strip away civil and long-standing rights. Think about it. This party is so toxic, so hell-bent on creating second and third class citizens, so intent on imposing their extremist and radical ideas and theologies on everyone else, that Democrats in the year 2022 found it necessary to pass legislation affirming the rights of two people to be married. Funny how we like to call ourselves the land of the free. As far as Republicans go, freedom only counts when it is convenient for them. In more local news, we've all been hearing for the last year about catalytic converters and how they've been stolen across the island. An investigation that extended all the way to Homeland Security brought forth information that led to the arrest of two Long Island brothers from Long Beach, both in their 20s. The thefts of the catalytic converters are so lucrative because of the three metals found inside them, which have skyrocketed in price recently. One ounce of rhodium currently costs $12,000. One ounce of palladium currently costs $1,800. And one ounce of platinum currently costs $1,000. During the bust of these two individuals, a total of $3.9 million in cash was seized. Authorities say that their investigations will continue and warn scrapyard owners who have knowingly or unknowingly purchased stolen catalytic converters to expect visits from the Nassau County Police. Oh, a completely unrelated topic. Republicans are once again losing their minds over a completely fake story. I don't know if any of you heard about the new Disney uproar. Apparently, there's a new show released by Disney called The Santa Clauses. In there, there is a scene where kids are holding signs, each one letter. As the kids arrange themselves, they accidentally spell the message to say, we love you, Satan, instead of Santa. It's a comedy show now. And it was meant as a joke, after which the children rearrange themselves really quickly to spell it the right way. Well, that set off the extremist right-wing lunatics including some Long Island homegrown anti-government groups. They repetitively complain about this, purposely showing a single out-of-context screenshot of the misspelled message to once again get their collective underwear in a twisted bunch. Get a grip, you wackos. It's a comedy show, and it was a joke. But instead, they are suggesting that Disney is promoting satanic messaging. I'm telling you, the right-wing lunatics are never happy or satisfied unless they're pointing at some imaginary enemy. So now, 
These intellectually challenged individuals are claiming that Disney is starting a war on children. Yes, you heard me correctly. The Republican Party is like some demented version of Alice in Wonderland, where they keep going further and further down some twisted rabbit hole of uneducated buffoonery. Moving to the east end of our island, I'd like to share news I found in an article published this week on the Suffolk Times. Last Thursday, a South Hole teacher, John Myers, was beaming with pride as he took photos of a Christmas tree decorated by the high school's Gay-Straight Alliance to spread holiday cheer. Decked out in tinsel and ornaments, the club also added LGBTQ flags to celebrate inclusivity and visibility in their community. Later that evening, Mr. Myers went down Main Road on his way home from work. As he glanced at the tree to admire his students' work, he was met with shock and disappointment as he discovered that the tree was robbed of all of its decorations. Mr. Myers, an English as a new language teacher who taught in the district since 2003, turned to social media to share his frustration. The students of the high school GSA club, known as SAFER, Students Alliance for Equality and Respect, experienced a variety of negative emotions after hearing what had happened to the tree that they so lovingly decorated. His post was shared by the community and drew public outcry by alumni and local leaders alike. Upon learning of the incident, Camille Limingeli, program coordinator for the East End's LGBT network, said her initial reaction was one of shock and sadness. She put out a call of action to her friends and neighbors, and then some holiday magic happened. Equipped with a new batch of pride flags, homemade rainbow ornaments, and multicolored garland, Ms. Lemingeli was joined by nearly a dozen community members last Saturday to restore the tree to its former glory. A South Hole Town trustee who runs Little Ram Oyster Company, Elizabeth Peoples, along with her wife, Stephanie Bassett, joined in redecorating the tree. Ms. Peoples said the community's response was heartwarming in light of the negative experience. She was quoted in saying, just to see how the community could come together and turn this into such a positive experience. Hopefully that really positive outreach was kind of a silver lining. Other community members that helped in the redecorating of the tree included Melinda Morris of Arnie Papery, Lori Panarello of Craft Hair, Sonia Spar, the chair of the town's anti-bias task force, along with students from the Peconic Community School. Ms. Limingeli said, quote, It's so much bigger than just a Christmas tree in town. Right now, unfortunately, LGBT students are under attack across the country and across Long Island as well, end quote. In June, the Smithtown Library made national headlines after voting to remove LGBT pride displays from their children's departments at four of their buildings, a move that was quickly rescinded. Four months later, in October, the Connecticut Central School District faced backlash over the decision to ban LGBT flags, prompting Governor Kathy Hochul to direct the state's Department of Human Rights to investigate the district's actions, in addition to several lawsuits being presented to the district. It's stories like this that show the hostility that the LGBT community face. 
even here on our island. But as horrible as this story started, it's heartwarming to see how the Southhold community banded together to affirm that whatever intolerant bigot stripped the tree is not what the Southhold community believes in. They came together to show the children that they are welcome, safe, and accepted. I just wish all communities felt the same way. Let me leave you all with one last thought, a quote from the author Adam Grant. Generosity is not a quest for appreciation. It's an act of care and contribution. The point of giving is not to seek gratitude or receive recognition. It's to live by your principles. True kindness isn't motivated by how others will react. It's an expression of who you are. I hope we can all keep this in mind, not only during this holiday season, but on our day-to-day lives. If you have any news regarding your local area that you would like to share with us, please email us at livoiceofprogress at gmail.com. This podcast is currently available on Anchor, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Tune in using your favorite streaming service. And also, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Long Island Voice of Progress. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to our future podcasts and guest speakers and having you listen to them. Until then, peace and love to all. This has been the Long Island Voice of Progress. 